Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast. This segment has been taken from Thrive Thursdays with Dr. Patricia Mills. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here is Dr. Patricia Mills. Hi, it's so nice to see you here in this space. We're talking everything about plant proteins today. And if you are someone who is interested in a plant-based uh, diet or a plant-focused diet where you eat a lot of plants with a little bit of happy animal meat, ideally, if you're going to eat any kind of animal meat, uh, what you're probably wondering is, is it possible to be healthy on a plant-based or a plant-focused diet? And can I get enough protein? So today, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm a um, medical doctor, functional medicine practitioner, holistic uh, health approach, whole body, mind, and spirit. And welcome to my Thrive Thursday live event, where I answer your health questions with evidence-based answers. And some good common sense sprinkled in as well, because that's always important. So today we're going to be uh, talking about how to unleash the power in plants and get enough protein on a plant-based or plant-focused diet. Okay. Now, just so you know, because um, people always wonder when someone's presenting on this topic, you know, wh what camp do you kind of sit in in terms of should we eat all plants or should we have some happy animal meat in there? And uh, my answer to that is always it depends. And today I'm going to be talking about um, three major topics that help um, bring some clarity to this discussion. And that is what is the similarity between uh, plant protein and animal protein and how are they crucially different? What are the biggest mistakes that people make? trying to eat high protein on a plant-based diet, trying to get hit their protein targets on a plant-based diet? And what are the ways that you can um, improve the protein quantity and quality in your plants by properly preparing them the right way? All right. So if you're joining me live, please put in your name and where you're calling in from. I love to hear from you. And if you are joining me live, you get to ask me questions and get them answered live time. And that's in my uh, Thrive Thursday live events, always at noon Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so come and join me if you can. If you're watching this on the replay, put your comments in. I always do my best to answer comments after the fact. Okay, so let's get started with the first important part of this topic, which is, um, you know, bringing clarity to what are the differences and similarities between the protein in plants and animals. Okay, so what you need to know is that every protein is um, made up of different combinations of what are called amino acids. And one way to really understand this is if you take a protein, okay, 
And let's say each protein was like a bracelet, right? I love the bracelet analogy. And you wanted to make different kinds of bracelets. Well, what you would do is you would have a various assortment of precious stones, um, maybe some metal beads and some colorful beads. And you would take different arrangements of these um, elements and put them together in different sequences and different amounts of each kind of element to create a very unique bracelet. Okay. So in the world of the animal and plant kingdom, there's 20 different kinds of um, amino acids that the animal or the plant can select from to make unique proteins. All right. So 20 different precious stones to make the bracelets. All right. And in humans, we can make um, 11 of those, sorry, we make 11 of those precious stones or amino acids in our body. So we can make those amino acids, those precious stones in our body. Nine amino acids are, we cannot make. So we have to externally source those precious stones. All right. And those are called essential amino acids because if we can't get them from our environment, if we can't get them from our environment, then our body doesn't have the building blocks that it needs to make these proteins. And the function of proteins in the body are super diverse. So, for example, um, proteins are like the tools that our body uses to do things like break down our food so that we can properly digest them. Proteins become the channels. Uh, are used to build the channels that our body uses to accept nutrients into our body at the level of the lining of the gut, all the way down to the level of the cell, of our cells that make up all of our organs. So proteins are obviously very crucial. We know them to be used to make things like muscle, right? And they're used everywhere in the brain and the eyes and the joints and the skin. It's, it's a very essential uh, molecule. Okay, so you need to have your body needs to be able to make the 11 amino acids within it, and it needs to have the building blocks for that. And it needs to be able to externally source from our food the nine essential amino acids. So when we are sourcing from other animals, the other animals have done the job for us. They've sourced the essential amino acids. They've made the complete range of proteins. And when we eat that, we get the complete range of proteins, okay? We get the complete protein. So we get the essential and non-essential amino acids. And so animal meat would be like fish, beef, poultry, pork, eggs, those kinds of things, okay? Plants, on the other hand, they, um, if you eat a plant, chances are you're not getting the complete protein you're getting a mix and it can be missing uh, some of the essential amino acids, okay? Most plants are missing the full complement of proteins, the full complement of those essential amino acids. There are a few exceptions. So quinoa, buckwheat, hemp seeds, uh, I think it's certain kinds of algae and soy have complete uh, complements of essential acids, amino acids. Um, and there are some, uh, and nutritionists and, and will, will teach about how if you can 
um, you know, have a variety of plants, when you combine different plants, you get the full complement of the essential amino acids. So common plant food combinations are things like um, seeds and uh, nuts and whole grains. So for example, let's say you have like an almond butter on a whole grain toast, that would be, um, you would be food combining for the essential amino acids. Okay. Another would be uh, legumes like beans and whole grains. So like a beans and rice dish. And then another one, I believe, is nuts and legumes. So if you have a salad and you have like chickpeas on it with some pumpkin seeds, that would be another way to food combine. Okay. And again, if you're joining me live, put in your name and where you're calling in from. I'd love to hear from you and definitely feel free to ask your questions. Okay. Now, here we go into the second part of what the talk today, which is the biggest mistake that people make when they're trying to hit their protein targets using plants. And now you understand that when I'm saying protein targets, I mean the amount of protein and the full complement of the essential amino acids as I've described, right? So the biggest mistake that people make is that they don't realize that the different, the additional difference between plant protein and animal protein is the availability and the digestibility of those proteins. So I'm going to get deeper into that. So avail I'm introducing this new concept that we want the protein in the product, in the meat or the plant that we're eating to be available for us to then digest. It has to be available and digestible. And I'm going to take a little quick break here to say hi. Now it says Facebook user. I don't see your name. Sometimes with uh, StreamYard, you have to give it, um, you have to allow it to um, use your name when you're in, engaging this kind of conversation. Um, so if you uh, can, whoever said hi, just put in your name so I know who it is and I can say hi back. I'd love to do that. So the availability and digestibility. All right. Now, this is something that very few people are talking about, and this will blow your mind. So, for example, I was looking up a study. That was the research study was to look up the um, um, uh, protein in lentils, okay, and try to make the protein in lentils um, be usable by the human body to increase its availability and digestibility, okay. And the interesting thing was that um, they talked about how, um, and they did different methods of food preparation, and one of them was fermentation, okay fermentation and hi Shiro it's you hi nice to see you it's so great to have you here welcome welcome ask your questions when you have them okay so what they did is they took if the process of fermentation is that you have um, the plant food so plants that are known to have like high amounts of protein are plants like legumes which are like beans um, lentils right nuts and seeds and they are high amounts. So the biggest mistake is that you look at the ingredient label or you look at the protein content and you see, oh, this has 10 grams of protein. The mistake is that those 10 grams of protein are actually not necessarily available to your body for use and digestible for your body for it to absorb. Okay, so that's the biggest mistake. 
and the, this point is illustrated by this research study that took the lentil flour and, and it underwent fermentation and they did it actually two different ways. Fermentation is when natural organisms like yeasts or added organisms like yeasts in the flour are allowed to sit and partially kind of eat away at the flour and digest, like pre-digest the flour. And it eats at the simple sugars, it eats at the carbohydrates, it eats the protein, it eats the fat, okay? And it transforms these. And today we're focusing on the protein. It is interesting um, that it also transforms the carbohydrates, but it transforms the protein. And the transformation is that it takes the crude protein, like the um, unavailable, undigestible protein, and breaks it down into the essential amino acids and into a type of protein that is soluble, so it's digestible, it's available and digestible. And as an example, these researchers showed that it took three days of fermentation of the lentil flour, okay, with a specific um, organism, a, a probiotic, a specific yeast, um, to for that lentil flour to have this a similar, not as good, but close um, protein digestibility and availability as meat. Okay, three days of fermentation is what it took for those 10 grams, for example, in the lentils to become as available and digestible as 10 grams in animal, in an animal protein product. So you see the biggest mistake you can make is that you're going to the store and you buy like lentil flour uh, bread or you buy lentil flour um, pasta, but insert, you know, substitute the word lentil flour with chickpea flour and buckwheat flour and sorghum flour, like any kind of um, plant-based flour, okay, requires a certain method of preparation. And we'll get into what are the different kinds of preparation, one of them being fermentation in order for that protein to become available and digestible. You see what I'm saying? So that's a mistake is that you are, let's say you're plant-based or you're vegan-based and you're calculating or you're plant-focused and you're calculating your pro protein requirements or maybe you're not even that specific. You're like, well, I have to make sure I'm getting enough protein. So you look at the, you know, you look at the amount like online, you say, oh, for every you know, one cup of lentils or one cup of beans or one cup of quinoa, I get 10 grams of protein. And that's like equivalent to a palm-sized piece of animal meat. So if I replace my animal meat with my uh, plant, um, you know, protein, I, at 10 to 10, I'm good. And the fact is that you're not good. What'll happen is that over time, you're going to start to experience the effects of protein deficiency because you are not getting um, that protein is not being available and digestible by the bot to the body okay available to the body and digestible by the body so you're going to start running into issues with supply right you're not going to have the right kind of supply so when you start on a plant-based or plant-focused diet initially you might feel really great because plants are if you were to categorize animals and plants generally speaking Plants are like cleansing and animals are building. So animal um, food is like building for the body and plant food is cleansing. So at first you feel great 
because you're, you know, cleansing, you're detoxifying. There's a lot of um, nutrients and plants called polyphenols that help the body detoxify. And so that can feel good for a while. And when you remove non-happy animal meat, like conventionally raised meat from your diet, um, you know, th that conventionally raised meat does cause more inflammation than a happy animal meat. So, for example, there was a very interesting study published in 2010 in the Journal of British Nutrition, where they took um, uh, people, they took a group of people and they had one group eat kangaroo meat, wild caught kangaroo meat. This, I think this was like in Australia, they did the study, if I, if I recall correctly. And they had the other eat um, a, a very new, relatively new hybridized form of beef that they called Wagyu, W-A-G-Y-U. Never tried it myself, actually. But it was, it was like a hybridized beef and conventionally raised. So raised conventionally on a farm, not a lot of access to the outdoors, what I would not call happy animal meat. So kangaroo, happy animal meat outside, free range, you know, just the humane act of killing them with the hunting, let's say. Versus the conventional where they're cooped in, not a lot of sunshine, almost no, sometimes no sunshine, not the ideal diet for that animal, right? A lot of stress, hormones going on. They showed that the inflammation in the body, so they did blood tests for inflammation, they showed that the inflammation in the body went up much higher after eating the conventional non-happy animal meat compared to the wild free free range wild you know uh tr like traditional centuries of you know exposure to the human frame um kangaroo meat and it could be kangaroo meat it could be bison it could be elk that kind of idea of it being a happy animal living in its ideal circumstances and its ideal environmental conditions eating its um, natural foods that kind of thing okay so you know, if you if you go if you switch from eating like conventionally raised meat, which is very inflammatory, um, to a plant based diet, you will initially feel pretty good, probably because you're just getting rid of bad food, and then you're also helping the body detoxify. But then there's a tipping point where the body does need building foods, and then you have to make a decision: Am I going to um, incorporate some happy animal meat, like wild caught fish, sustainably caught fish? Maybe uh, maybe you add in some wild uh, free range um, poultry, maybe some eggs. Maybe you do do like the um, happy animal meat, so regenerative farming meat, free range meat, wild meat, that kind of stuff. And then maybe you say, you know what? I still want to be plant based. I I want to be vegetarian or vegan. How do I build the body up with that? And then what I would say to that is that you need to properly prepare your plants. So that the protein in the plants becomes as available and digestible as it possibly can be so that your body has a chance of being, of thriving, of having all of the building blocks it needs in order to do things like make protein, which I already explained to you is so crucial, so crucial, right? And interestingly, I think that there's a saying that as we age, we need more protein. I think what happens is that as we age, we our digestive power decreases. So we're not as able to digest our protein. And so we compensate by adding more protein. Maybe we need to compensate by improving the digestibility of our protein, the protein in our foods. 
and by supporting the digestive power, right, which we can do with targeted supplements and strategic lifestyle um, strategies. In this case, we're talking about increasing the availability of protein and the digestibility of protein in our plants. So the common food preparation methods, which interestingly, these are ancient methods of food preparation. It's like the lost art of food preparation that is being confirmed by the new science, all right, which is super fascinating, okay? And what, what are those ancient methods of food preparation that increase the availability of protein and digestibility of protein? Well, they are soaking to start the germination process. So the germination process is when that bean, nut, seed, whole grain um, starts to chemically transform in order to, to grow into that plant. So it's dormant. It's the seed. It's the baby of the plant. And then certain conditions like water start the chemical transformation process where then it's going to sprout and turn into that plant. And that, that chemical transformation is called germination. And if you let it go further, it'll sprout, right? The little tail comes out. Soaking for a minimum, like, you know, rice, for example, in Asian cultures and in Brazil, where I'm from, where we have a lot of rice, we always soaked our rice. For at least 30 minutes. I remember even for the whole day, that's the, the, you know, in the morning you would get the rice, you put it in water, you let it soak. Um, and that, and that starts the process of germination. Same thing for nuts, same things for seeds. So at a minimum, soaking your plants, your uh, beans, legumes, nuts, and seeds and whole grains will start that process of germination. And that already unlocks the power of protein in those plants by about 20 to 40 50 percent okay the next step is to take it a step further and that's to sprout and so if you sprout it further unlocks the protein and um, it improves up to by about 60 percent like a range of 30 to 60 percent the most powerful is fermentation and fermentation unlocks the power between anywhere between 70 to 100% sometimes, like 99.34 was the highest number I saw in the study. But if you ferment for too long, then the, those organisms that are doing the fermentation start to eat the protein. So there's like a magic sweet spot where, for example, there was one study that showed that 72 hours of fermentation of flour products like um, quinoa flour, oat flour, amaranth flour, lentil flour was you know, unlocked the protein. But if you did it for 120 hours of fermentation, that was too much. You started to lose your protein content. Okay. So it's, it's um, interesting to see that when people are reaching for like, um, again, they're trying to do their best. If you're trying to do your best, you're trying to be healthy on a plant focused or plant based diet. You need to pay very good attention to how you are taking that into your body. And so some very simple action steps could be learn how to properly prepare your foods. Now I am putting together a complete guide to proper plant preparation to unleash the power of plants. Um, and when I'm focusing on protein, but the research would also focus on nutrients like calcium, magnesium, iron, right? Why do so many people on plant-based diets have iron deficiency anemia, right? Like we need to get, need to make that iron available to our body. And, um, and, you know, obviously reach out to me if you want to be put on the wait list to have a copy of this product. 
Um, you can find the, this information online. Um, the reason I put a guide together is because it's all over the place. You have to look here for that, here for that. And I had to go into the research actually to show, because sometimes I would see something on a website. And I'm like, I don't know if that method actually works. And then I would go and find the research on it and see how they did it exactly. And then I'd be confident that that, that timing, that method really actually worked to unlock the nutrients in that plant. The second thing that you can do if you're not into plant preparation but you and you still want to incorporate um, these things uh, into your diet is look for the products that have already done this for you. So that you can, for example, buy sprouted oats. You can buy sprouted, um, um, you know, lentil flour. You can buy sourdough um, products. So sourdough bread, right? Um, any kind of sourdough fermentation process where they ferment the bread for about, you know, usually it's minimum of a day, but usually around three days. So that's another lost art is that historically we would take our grains like our wheat and we would ferment it over a period of three days. Okay? It's like this long fermentation process. And with the advent of modern kind of chemistry, there was a discovery of like of, uh, a different way to make bread that you could make bread in a day. And that was very convenient. What we're learning is that convenient foods are very inconvenient for our health. And in this case, it's very true. So a regular bread that hasn't been properly fermented, that wheat, that protein that's sitting in that wheat, and one of the famous proteins of that wheat is, um, um, you know, people who are celiac, they have a reaction to gluten. And a lot of people have gluten sensitivities. Gluten is a protein. And if you don't ferment the wheat, that gluten is sitting there and it can be um, more damaging than if you ferment the, ferment the wheat and those, that gluten is broken down into its, into its smaller components, which are more available and digestible. Okay. So um, this is one of the ways to be able to um, tolerate foods that have products like wheat. Now, that's a very nuanced discussion because once you have celiac disease, like the horse is out of the barn. You just have to avoid it, um, even if it's properly fermented in sourdough, that kind of thing. However, if you are trying to prevent yourself from developing a condition that many people are experiencing, which is gluten sensitivities and tolerances, and, to, and the extreme is celiac, where you get very obvious body damage with things like gluten. Uh, the other proteins in wheat are gliadin, okay? So if you want to avoid that and you want to continue to eat wheat-based products, you want to have, you want to buy like the good sourdough kind. And also, by the way, you need it to be organic because it's a very heavily sprayed crop. And I believe that there's probably some people who have um, problems with gluten, not because of the wheat itself, but because of the, the pesticide sprayed on it. Something for another conversation. I don't want to miss saying that though, because some people will go and buy like sourdough bread and eat it till the cows come home because they've heard here that it's healthier. And it's like, okay, that's step number one, and that's important to know. And if you take that step, that's already much better than not having taken that step. Um, and you also want to look for organic, not no additional preservatives, that kind of thing. So you don't want it to hurt your gut, your gut lining and damage your gut health, right? But at the very least, you want to look for products that are properly prepared in this way, all right? Um, so I hope that you found this helpful. You can see here, we're going to review that, um, animal protein is complete and, um, the, 
most available and digestible to the human body. Okay. Plant proteins are generally incomplete and need to be eaten in variety and in combinations in order to create the completeness and inclusion of all the essential amino acids. And additionally, they need to go uh, undergo a certain amount, minimum amount to a maximum amount from, from um, soaking, sprouting, fermenting to, to unleash, like release the um, protein and the minerals that are in it so that our body, uh, it's available our bo- to our body and our body can digest it, okay? And it's really quite beautiful. The, like it's, uh, you know, the process of sprouting and germina- germination, uh, um, soaking, sprouting and fermentation, um, that you can, it's like, it's t- it basically, even though it's the same food, it, ch- it chemically transforms into something totally different, like a caterpillar to a butterfly, same animal, right? However, completely different. <laughs> and that's what these methods, ancient methods of preparation do to our foods. It transforms it from one thing to something totally different with a completely different health effect. And it's a double, it's a double win. It doesn't harm the lining of your gut and it provides nutrients to your body because when you don't have those elements, um, those undigestible proteins broken down, they actually can harm your gut. Okay. So you, it, it is really important for you to start paying attention to this. It might seem overwhelming, but just so you know, if you go back to your great grandmas, um, you know, and look at how they were preparing their foods traditionally, that was the norm. That's what everyone did. Okay. And now we just need to get back to that. And thankfully, there are some convenience foods that, that do do that. Um, but make sure you look at the ingredient list because you don't want to be having like sprouted lentil flour and then all of these like weird chemicals like natural flavors and sugars added in like, um, you know, um, yeah, all the different, there's 56 different words for sugars that they use to kind of hide sugar in there. So you have to be a smart consumer. This is one piece of the puzzle. You know, and we are trying to put it all together. And I hope that this piece of the puzzle really makes a difference for your whole body health as well as your gut health. Okay. So obviously, when you eat the foods that your body loves and it can use, your whole body health gets better. So if you are someone who's been eating a plant based and plant focused diet and you've been experiencing problems and you're like, why am I not feeling so great? You know, I'm eating healthy, I'm eating a vegetarian, vegan, or plant focused diet. And I was feeling okay. Now I'm not feeling so good. Maybe this is why. Okay. And from a gut health perspective, you would notice some bloating, some indigestion, maybe some diarrhea, some constipation. Those would be sort of signs that the way that, you know, your attempt at a plant based or plant focused diet ha- doesn't have the right methodology, if that makes sense. I so appreciate you joining me today. And again, if you're catching this on the replay, thank you for watching this. Feel free to leave your questions and comments down below and reach out to me if you ever want to book a breakthrough call to see if there's anything that I can do to help you on your next step of your health journey. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe and please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. 
Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 